Hi, I'm Audrey Meyer, and this is the Find Your Superpower podcast, the show where we hear the story of incredible people changing their body and mind to reach their goal and achieve a peak state. From entrepreneur to community leaders and so on, we learn what it really takes to find your superpower. We on hi guys, welcome to the podcast. Today I'm very excited. We have David Allen here, Audrey Mayer, and welcome today. Uh, David, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for your time. How are you doing today? I'm good, Audrey. Thanks, and thanks for the invitation. It's a lovely spring day in Amsterdam where I live. Awesome. Awesome. It's really hot here in the Dominican Republic. So I'm glad to hear you guys also have great weather. So David, uh, you are recognized as the world leading expert on personal and organization productivity. So uh, I know you wrote some books as getting things done, the art of stress-free productivity. So today we're going to talk about getting things done. But before I have questions, can you tell us a little bit about who you are and about your background? Sure. Well, about 35 years ago, I had started my own little consulting practice. I was very interested in how do I stay clear as my life was getting more complex. I had a background in meditation, spiritual practices, and the martial arts. So I knew the value of a clear head, uh, but I saw how a professional world was pretty easy to mess up a clear head. So I got very hungry for techniques for myself that I could stay focused on mean stuff and not be distracted by all that stuff. And then it turns out that the techniques that I learned for myself, I turned around and used with my consulting clients and they produced exactly the same results for them they did for me. More control, more focus, more stability, more space to focus on meaningful stuff. So that became really a core element of my consulting. We didn't call it coaching back then. I was mostly consulting to small businesses and business owners and so forth. But I was using this methodology to help them be clear about strategy and help them, you know, sort of be able to navigate their world that was changing. And then some heavyweight in the big corporate training world saw what I was doing and he said, wow, David, we need that in our whole corporate culture. Can you design a training around what you've come up with? And that forced me to sort of um, help craft a a model and a methodology that could be presented to people where they could understand what this was and what these best practices were. And then that that was Lockheed 1983-84, so way before you were born. So so that, that then became, so then from 1983 on, I wound up in the, in the corporate training world. You could have fooled me. That's where I would be a lot, training hundreds of thousands of people with this methodology. And then my consulting turned into mostly coaching with the senior executives in these, in these companies. So I've spent literally thousands of hours one-on-one desk side with some of the best and brightest people and busiest people you'd ever meet on the planet, actually implementing this methodology with them personally, hand-on, you know, desk side. So by that point, and it took me 25 years to figure out what I'd figured out and that it was unique, that nobody else had done it. I'd never had, frankly, any traditional or formal classes in time management or 
or psychology or business management at all. I was a history major yeah. you know, in, Ber in Berkeley, you know, in 68. So <clears throat> could have fooled me. But then I wound up with, I, frankly, a lot of street smarts, you know, then saying, okay, at this point, I better write the manual because I might get run over by a bus. Somebody would figure this out at some point. Uh, but I said, might as well <clears throat> do that and see what happens. So I wrote Getting Things Done, published in 2001, the first edition of it. And then that th sort of threw me onto the international stage. The world sort of picked it up and went, wow, especially the tech world. It wasn't a tech thing, but it, it really, a lot of the tech people were enthralled by how powerful it was yeah. as a way to implement their own technologies in a much more conscious way. So that thrust me onto the international stage. Could have fooled me. I'm, I, I'm not that particularly aspirational or entrepreneurial, but more of a researcher and educator than anything else. But it turned out that this was, we said, well, you know, the world is knocking on our door about this. So how do we try to figure that out? Yeah. So in the last oh, 10 years, anyway, we have then decided to and have developed and found some great partners to help distribute this around the world through our methodology. So I moved from Santa Barbara, California to Amsterdam, much more the center of my world. Now we have, we're represented in 90 countries around the world. We have you know, 30 master trainers that we've certified ourselves, you know, to deliver this methodology and, and, and the coaching around this. So that's kind of what I'm doing now. And, you know, helping support that network essentially so there's a very short version of a very long story audrey i know i can i can i can wait to hear more so you keep talking i know the book you you keep talking about the methods and i know you you're talking about the gtd right get things done uh so can you tell us a little more about yeah and here's a big secret for you and your audience it's not really by getting things done <laughs> Because a lot of people, the whole idea of productivity and getting things done, people think, God, that means more work. I've got enough to do. I don't need anything else. What this is about is a methodology and a best practice about how do you get appropriately engaged with what all your commitments are so you can be present with whatever you're doing. And that's the real, that's the most productive state to hit a golf ball from or cook spaghetti from or to tuck your kids into bed from is when you're present, when you're not distracted you know, by the other things in your life that are going on that you're not, that, that you can't quiet, that you can't get on the, that's not on cruise control yet. Yeah. So I figured out what the algorithm of the formula was about how do you clear your head about stuff you're committed to do without having to finish it. You don't actually have to go buy cat food to get cat food off your mind. You just need to put a reminder for yourself or somebody else, you know, appropriately that whenever they go to the place they can get cat food, they'll see the reminder and they'll get it. Duh. So it's not like a new, it's not like a foreign language or some new technology. These are all best practices to be able to keep your head clear. You write stuff down that's got your attention. You decide sooner than later. You clarify what it means, what you're going to do about it, if anything, and any project embedded in it that you need to keep track of until it's done. You need to organize some reminders of those things in some sort of a trusted external system yeah. that you then review and reflect on regularly so you can look back and see the whole game and go, oh, wow, I'm going to have a beer. Or no, I need to work. This, I need to write the business plan. Or oh, I, I need to grapple with that ugly email. I got to respond to, you know, or take a nap. Yeah. But those are made from trusted choices, not latest and loudest. And that's a big change. So that's a lot of what I sort of uncovered all these years is how do you get comfortable and confident about what you're doing and where you're putting your focus and your attention? Yeah. But you can only feel comfortable about what you're not doing when you know what you're not doing. And very few people have a clue. 
That's a good point. So this is very interesting, David, especially uh, right now as we're recording that uh, podcast we in the middle of COVID, there's a lot of stress in the world, there's a lot of anxiety, there's a lot of change of job, kids at home. So there's a lot of things going on, right? People have a hard time to work from home, to stay productive, just because, sorry for my French, the entire, the shit what's going on in the house, in the world. So, Nailed. right? So now like people who are listening, they're like, Yes, I, I want to get started. I want to get started to be more productive. How can I get started? David, what's the first step you would tell people start with that? Paper and pen. Yes. Right. <laughs> first step. Second step, use this to unload everything that's on your mind. I need cat food. I need to figure out whether we should get divorced or not. I need to hire a vice president. I need to figure out, I need to get my, my company or my business onto cruise control now, given the pandemic and what's happened and all those changes. Those are all, those are all things to get out of your head, right? Uh, and so, and it takes most people one to six hours just to do that, just to unload all that. Most people have no idea how many things are banging around in there. So that's the first step is to externalize all that. Yeah. Now, a lot of people externalize a lot of those things. They've got to-do lists out there in a way, though they're not complete at all. Uh, but what they haven't done is then move to step two, which is, okay, I wrote down, should I get divorced? Right. Uh, is that something you're going to move on or not to get clarity about that? Mm, yeah, I guess so. Great. What's your next step? What would you need to do to move the needle on getting clarity about whether you and your life partner should get divorced or not? Oh God, I haven't figured that out yet. Yeah, that's right. So step two is a pretty tough one. That's, that's clarifying these things that have your attention. What specifically are they? Are they something you've got a commitment to move on or not? Yes or no. And if so, what's the next step you would need to take to move on it? And if one step won't finish it, what's the final outcome or project you need to keep track of until it's done? So if that were me, get relationship with Catherine on the cruise control. I don't know if that means divorce or not divorced or take a retreat together or God knows what, you know, but that's, that's that, that would be my, my outcome. doesn't mean I have to decide whether to get divorced or not. My outcome is to get clear about it. So now I've identified that, well, what's the next step I need to do? You know what? I talked to my friend, Joe or Susan that went through this process and maybe they've got a tip about that. Great. How are you going to talk to them? You're going to email them. You're going to phone call them. What? Oh, I should just shoot them an email, you know, about that and then set up a phone call. Great. Next step, shoot email. By the way, how long would that take? If you could do that in less than two minutes, you should do it right then. So I just figured out what do you need to do to get these things that have your attention off your mind? So step one is capture them, identify what they are. Step two is then make decisions about what specifically those things mean to you and what you're going to do about them, if anything. Anybody listening or watching this right now, if you pulled out your to-do list, you're not going to see actions or outcomes. You're going to see things like mom or tooth or bank or, you know, who knows. Uh, so there's still a lot more clarification most people need to make about the, even the stuff they've captured. Not only that, they haven't captured everything. But once you've done that, you're going to wind up with most people in at least 
mid to senior level professional world that I've worked with for all these years have, have 30 to 100 projects and they've got 150 to 200 next actions that they need to take. Once they actually sit down and think through this, these are all the phone calls they need to make. These are all the websites they need to surf. These are all the things I need to talk to my life partner about. These are things I need to draft on my computer right now. Yeah. And if you add all those up, as well as all the appointments you've got on your calendar, you're gonna see there's a bunch. And so getting that clear, and then step three means you need to make sure you park reminders of those things in a place that your brain doesn't have to keep reminding you, your system does. Hey, I've, I've got time, what are the calls I need to make? You pull up a list, it's got the six phone calls you've decided you need to make. I actually, the pandemic, maybe if it's loosened up a little bit, I can go out for errands. What are the errands I told myself I need to run? And you pull up and you see that list. So your brain is brilliant at recognizing stuff and making intuitive decisions about it, but not remembering the stuff. Audrey, if you pulled up your calendar right now over for the next week, if you pulled up your calendar and looked yeah. at it for the next week, some part of you is going to be pretty cool about, oh, that's where that is. That's where that is. That's how I'm going to manage that. But throw away your calendar and try to remember all that. It's hard. Good luck. It's yeah. impossible. You can't remember more than four things in your short-term memory before some part of you it starts to be driven by latest and loudest, not by good intuitive choices. Yeah. So that's step three is to make sure you've got some sort of trusted organization of reminders about what all this stuff is. It won't get off your mind until that's done. Yeah. It, there's no way you can have a clear head if you still need cat food, if you have a park or some reminder about buying cat food that you and the right person is going to see it at the right time. And as soon as I need cat food pops into your head more than once, you're inappropriately engaged with your cat. You're not keeping your own commitment. I love it. So what, what I took out of that is that clarity is like a big, uh, it's the number one, right? So you want to make sure people are clear with their goal. So how do you help that? How do you help people getting clear? And most of the time, like you say, people don't know. They have no idea what they want. Ask them, how would you find out? It only takes six phone calls. You'll find the Pope. Interesting. Just pick up the phone, punch seven numbers at random or however many numbers you need to punch in Puerto Rico and, and say, okay, or Dominican Republic. How many numbers do you need to punch till you get somebody? Say, hi, do you know anything about XYZ? If not, do you know anybody who might? Six phone calls, you'll be at the Pope. Yeah, interesting. So what do you need to do to find out what you need to do if you don't need to do? But if you sit there and spin, call, I don't know what to do, you're in ambient anxiety, which is where the source of the great stress is for most people. Exactly. Love it. So, uh, David, right now with this pandemic, uh, it's been causing like massive description of how we live daily. Uh, do you believe there's something good to come out of that? And if you do, uh, what? Oh, of course. Millions of things. I've been in, I've probably had about 30 interviews in the last two weeks of people asking about what do we do and, and is there any good news about this? Oh, tons of good news. Uh, first of all, um, working, working not from home is very new. That only started in the, after the Industrial Revolution where people actually had to leave home to go do work. Until then, the whole history of the planet, people did their work from home. It's true. So we're just coming. We're just coming back around. So what? Now I understand changing your center of gravity of your world from an office to a house. Big deal, especially if you've got kids and you have a family and you have other people around you. 
because now you're going to have to change your center of gravity to where your cockpit of control of your life is now at home and not in your office. And that's a big change. Uh, it's a good one, actually, frankly. You, you need to be virtual anyway, no matter where you are or no matter what happens. You need to be free enough to be, no matter where I am, I have my sort of cockpit of control that I can manage where I am, what I need to do, what I need to see, what I need to think about, what I need to assess, and what are all my options right now about what to do. So building your own virtual world is where a lot of people are being forced to go now, but that's... <laughs> That's nothing new. That was happening anyway. The pandemic just put it on steroids. Yeah. Because, you know, people working from home, people being their own subcontractor, people being their own, you know, needed to manage their own business. I read some statistic not too many years ago that by 2050, 50% of the U.S. workforce will be self-employed. Basically, organizations don't have the energy, time, or ability to be able to manage full-time employees. You're going to be hired to do X, Y, and Z project. You're gonna be hired to do X, Y, and Z. And so the world is moving that way anyway. So there's, that's nothing new. It's, this just sped it up in spades yeah. to be able to do that. So that's one good news is just forcing people to be, okay, how well do I manage myself no matter where I am? How well do I stay control of that? You know, in the old days, God, I had relatives back in Louisiana where I grew up that nobody ever knew what their dad did at work because they left work at work. They never brought anything home. They never talked about work. They never, they never involved their family with any of their stuff. And I've had a number of people tell me already since the pandemic, their kids now know what they do. They sound fascinating. Their kids are amazed by how much stuff their dad does or their mom does. Wow. And so, you know, making that more conscious and certainly more transparent for the environments of the ecosystems people are in now and have to be and have to manage that. You know, that's good news. Now, come on, Audrey. The greatest fortunes in the world were built in the Depression. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, in France, in Europe, First World War, Second World War, a lot of big race, a lot of big fortune made out after that. Sure. So it's out of constraint that creativity comes and innovation comes. So I'm not saying that's fun. You know, <laughs> it's not fun at all, but you don't grow unless you're challenged. You don't stretch or express yourself unless you're challenged. That's true with exercise. Come on, you know that. Yeah, yeah. You know, and, and, and so there has to be some level of stretch. You don't want to overstretch, otherwise you break a muscle. You know, but you need to stretch just enough so you strengthen the muscle. Yeah. So, so this day, these days are producing a lot of challenges and stress for people, but the, they're building strength in that. If you can get through it, you know, you'll come out better. You'll come out talking to your kids a lot more. You'll come out, you know, with your ability to manage your own life a lot better by yourself and not have to trust that you can walk into your office and they'll tell you what to do. So do you, you believe that right now everyone gets put out of the comfort zone and is rising, is evolving, right? Or has to. Yeah. I mean, don't shoot the messenger. I'm just saying, look, guys, change happens. Yeah. You know, you know, you know, shift happens and, you know, the ability to be able to navigate change is one of your competitive advantages. How fast can you take in the new situation, reintegrate what it means, renegotiate what it means against your old agreements and your old structures, restructure, refocus, recalibrate and shoot. Yeah. So that's, that's always been true that 
what's new is how frequently things are new. How many times did your parents have to totally recalibrate their lives like that? And yet you and I, Audrey, are going to have to recalibrate our lives, you know, several times this year. Right. So there's nothing new except how frequently things are new. And, you know, if you only had to totally recalibrate your life like this two or three times in your life, you know, it, it's going to throw you out of your comfort zone. But then at some point you get it under cruise control and you get your structure set up and then you get to cruise for a long period of time. You don't get to cruise long now. Yeah. So we, which skills, what, David, which best skills do you think has to be or are for people who are evolving the, the faster, the better, for people who are, like you say, making fortune, fortune for people who are like living their best life? What are those skills? Well, you need to clarify. <laughs> the best thing to do is understand who you are and what you're about. Why are you on the planet? What's your purpose as a human being? What really, really, really matters to you? Yeah. And what's your vision if you were to fulfill your purpose with wild success five years from now, what would you be doing? So creating your own vision of wild success you know, is, is, and I'm not saying you should do that. I'm just saying if that's in you, you better identify what that is. Otherwise, it'll beat you on the head. It'll beat you bloody until you're actually engaged with it appropriately. Once you determine what the big wild success vision is, then you need to step back a little bit and go, well, okay, what do I need to do in the next year or two to make that happen? So then you get down to more operational commitments about, well, okay, I guess I need to write the book. I need to get that published. I need to make sure I get my new business set up. I need to do you know, whatever it is. Now you've got some goals and objectives based upon the vision you've got, but you need to identify what those are. Write them down. <laughs> have a list, you know, here's those. And then you need to drop down and say, okay, the next level uh, operationally below that would be, what are all the things I need to maintain at some level of health and balance so I'm capable to get that goal? Your finances, your health, your relationships, your fun factor, your dog, your, you know, you know, your kids. What are all the things that you're accountable to do stuff with and about? Not to finish, you don't finish growing kids you know, ever ask any parents, you know, <laughs> even if they've left and they're 42 and you're 75, that you're still going, I still got work to do with my kids. Yeah. You know, so, so there's, there's all those areas you don't finish. You just need to check those to say, how am I doing about those? What do I need to do to make sure my health is where it needs to be? What do I need to do to make sure my network and my relationships, what do I need to do to make sure my career is going where it's going? So that's another level of commitment. See, I've identified the six levels of commitment that you have with yourself. Why are you on the planet? What's your vision of wild success? What are the goals and objectives you need to accomplish to make that happen? What are the things you need to maintain and uh, be responsible to keep at some level of standard so you can get there? And then you've got, what are all the projects you need to do about all that? When you got 30 to 100 of those. I got, my mom is coming. Oh, God, that's a project. Okay. <laughs> Uh, geez, I need to get my kids into whatever the next level of school is going to be, you know, for the next iteration. I need to, you know, yada, yada, get tires in my car. I need to make sure we've got a good, you know, research this and you know, whatever. And again, that's all those things we need to do about whatever's mentioned before. And then you have all the stuff you actually need to do about it. 
emails you need to send, stuff you need to buy at the store, email, you know, uh, things you need to draft on your computer, things you need to talk to your life partner about. And most people have, you know, 150 of those. So I just said, if you wanted to really get control of your life, you just need to get the inventory of what all those things are and then step back and take a look at all that and then trust your heart, your gut, your, your, your spirit, your liver or whatever you trust that, that holds the still small voice that'll let you know what to do about all that next and how to spend your afternoon. So when you work with you, when you work together with your clients, how uh, many years, uh, further are you projecting five years 10 years or up to then i don't care i don't tell people they should set goals i say do you have any goals or do you need to set some goals given what has your attention about that my kids are going to go to college in three years great what do you need to do about that oh you know i guess i really need to make sure by the end of the year they've got their schools and we've got the money set up huh now you got a goal i'm not telling you should do that i'm just i'm just getting you to get clear yeah. about what you need to do if you say, I don't want to have any goals, I go, fine, just hang out. That's what you want to do. I have, I'm not preaching that I'm not a motivational speaker or coach. I'm just, I'm just getting you clear about what, who you are and what's got your attention and what you've got your energy wrapped around. See, in my experience, Audrey, our whole engagement on this planet is about completion and creation. You need to handle what you've put in motion. And you need to be accountable for what you then keep putting in motion. Yeah. Duh. And that's all it's about. So all I have to do is find out what have you already put in motion? What have you already committed to? You can call it karma, you can call it whatever, but you're going to eat it. Yeah. Whether it's cat food or whatever, and it could have been from many, you know, 43 lifetimes ago, who knows, but it, it'll, it'll be back and it'll be on you. So you need to engage, you need to recognize what's got your attention about that. And you need to say, what do I need to do to clear that, get that off my mind? Then once you get clear, by the way, if you had nothing pulling on you, Audrey, right now, nothing on your mind, it's all on cruise control, zero. It's a calm lake, right? What would you then do? What would you do with that clear space? And what you might do with it would be quite different than somebody sitting next to you, what they would do with it. But I guarantee you this methodology creates the clear space. You can decide how important clear space is and then what you would do with it once you have it. That's up to you. Love it. I remember watching your video. I think you were sitting in uh, Amsterdam and there was the water calm and you were using it as a metaphor for your brain. Uh, can you just share that a little bit? I just, I just love that video. Sure. Well, I actually kind of stole that from the martial arts. I got a black belt in karate years ago. And, you know, Bruce Lee's sensei sort of coached him on mind like water, that idea. And the idea was to be as flexible as water is. So you flow with the environment that's as then becomes as powerful as water can be. Yeah. Uh, so you don't over or under react. So water is appropriately engaged with this environment. So that's the metaphor. Love it. Yeah, it's great. Especially for me, a water person. I just, I just love it. How it resonates. Yeah. Great. David, thank you so much uh, for your time. It's just been any, it's just been amazing. Anything else you want to share with us? Stop using your head as your office. Your head's for having ideas and not for holding them. So if nothing else, folks, get the stuff out of your head. It's a terrible office and you'll be driven by latest and loudest. Then once you get it out of your head, there's some other things to do about it. But I just mentioned some of those. So you might want to check our resources, read my book and nothing else. Yeah. Yeah. 
And so remind us the name of your book. Getting Things okay. Done. Yeah, and same. And there, our website, gettingthingsdone.com, mm -hmm. has a lot of resources. So in terms of, you know, there's trainings, public trainings going on. We've certified trainers in 90 countries and around the world and, and are delivering sort of the, the methodology in more detail and depth for people to actually implement this. It's not hard, but yeah. it's not something you're born doing. You actually need to learn it, like learning to play the flute or learning to cook spaghetti or learning to raise your kids. You're not born knowing those things. This neither, but it's easy. Great. Awesome. David, thank you so much. I definitely keep following you. I love the stuff you're doing. Thank you so much for your time. Guys, thank you so much for following us. And I will see you uh, next time on another podcast. David, thank you. You have a wonderful day. And guys, thanks, Audrey. Bye -bye. You too. Thank you guys for joining. I will see you in the next podcast on AudreyMayerCoaching.com.